I asked my friend here a question about his dad, and he didn't stop for about 10 minutes. <laughs> I like to talk, too, and tell well, stories. Yeah, but, 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 but this is processing, right? This is grieving. This is, this is a part of um, rejoicing in the gifts that God has given and not, not thinking light of them but also not dwelling on the the brokenness of this creation, but rejoicing in the promise that God has made to redeem it. Welcome to Christ in All Things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a Bible verse, Colossians 1, 17, which says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ in All Things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. And these conversations, they are an invitation. Because as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, digital media operates from a distance. And that is not what's best for us, with God, or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome to Christ in All Things. I am Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I am Pastor Jason Schockman. And welcome to the next installment in our series called Grieving with Hope. Uh, here with my friend and colleague, Pastor Jason Schockman. We are now six months out yeah. from when your dad died. Yeah, half of a year. I want to begin with First Thessalonians four thirteen to mm-hmm. eighteen, and then a prayer. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And we pray. Heavenly Father, you would not have us grieve as those who have no hope, but rather you call us to live in the confidence that all who die in faith are with you in everlasting life and eternal peace. By your word and spirit, strengthen Pastor Shockman in the knowledge that his father is at home in your heavenly kingdom. Give him and his family the courage to walk by faith until that day when all who belong to you will be reunited around the throne of the Lamb who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So we're six months out. Indeed. You know, this is off the script that I originally was thinking about. 
You uh, you script these? Oh, in my mi- in my mind. That's good. Over over your behind you, over your shoulder, because we record this in Pastor Shackman's office. Over your shoulder is a whole wall bookshelf of commentaries. Yeah, biblical commentaries and texts of for pastors. Well, and students of the word and students of the word. And there are a lot of, if I remember rightly, Reverend Gary Shockman's commentaries. Yeah, on that. a lot of my dad's library just got handed down to me on that one, uh, and and I use them, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, more more so, uh, I have his pastoral care companion, and that is what I carry now in my bag. Did you lose yours? Oh no, I have it. The pieces of it. Oh, it was falling oh, apart. Yeah, goodness. There's there's a whole section in the beginning uh, that has some baptism liturgy stuff in it, and the table of contents, and one of the other reference sections in the beginning of my companion that literally separated from the rest of the binding. So the, it, the book is still kind of together. So for those but, of you who don't have a clue what we're talking about, in uh, 2006, our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Publishing House published. A, a significant update, well, significant new hymnal yeah, called Lutheran Service Book. Yeah. And along with Lutheran Service Book, a bunch of other resources for pastors and congregations were published, including a little pocket pastoral care companion that has, uh, a, it's a compendium of prayers and readings and for all sorts of different situations. And that's what I used as I read First Thessalonians and the prayer from which, so when he talks about, you, Pastor Shackman talks about using his father's pastoral care companion, that's the little book that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, and and uh, it, there, the, it is arranged topically uh, and indexed so, uh, and so it's very helpful uh, in the moment, uh, right? When you, when you go to visit someone in the hospital or you go to visit someone who is, is either a shut-in or... Um, troubled by something or someone comes in to talk to you as pastor and they're troubled by something, it's very handy uh, to be able to quickly uh, be pointed to some scriptures and some prayers that that are apropos for the situation, uh, which is, again, how the book is arranged. So if you, if you happen to be a listener, and even if you're not a, if you're not a pastor, this is a helpful resource. Indeed. If, if you're, for example, someone in your, in your congregation in ours or another congregation that regularly visits people yeah. who are, are sick or shut in or that sorts of thing. Uh, if you're that type of person that's doing that or helping out on a committee or something of the sort, yeah. this is a handy, this is a handy little book to have. Yeah. Cause there's, stuff. there's prayers for all kinds of things for all kinds of situations. Cause right. if you're, if you're doing, if you're doing your committee or board right at church, you're opening with prayer. And preferably, maybe a little bit of Bible study. Yeah. And this this is a good you know even even the the scriptures and stuff in here is are a good entree. Yeah. To prayer and a little Bible study before your your board of trustees meets or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to do it. Um, so, so anyway, we're so anyway, we're, so we're I six had months used, out. So I had used my pastoral care companion uh, pretty relentlessly for you know the better part of. 
Oh, let's see. I was ordained in 2007. So probably the better part of 14 years, 15 years. And it was falling apart. And it was falling apart. And it was about time for a new one. Uh, and, and then I inherited my dad's library. And lo and behold, along came with that his pastoral care companion. So now I use his. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, the library, it, it, it was certainly enhanced. Uh, we had a lot of the same books already. Remi- remind, remind our listeners the story of how so, you and your dad came to be pastors. Yeah. Re- so, just briefly. Uh, I led the way. Uh, I was ordained in 2007, and my dad, um, rather promptly after that, retired from 35 years of working for the phone company. Uh, and, um, pursued his associate's degree, uh, and then at a community college in St. Louis, uh, and then having moved in with my sister and my brother-in-law, um, and was he at the seminary at the time, your brother-in-law? Yes. My brother, well, no, uh, not yet. Um, but my brother-in-law started a year before my dad did, uh, and then, my dad started the alternate route uh, toward ordination, uh, got his associate's degree at a community college, and then went to the seminary, and two years later was out on vicarage. Uh, and I believe it was 2013, um, my years get a little foggy in there, uh, that I got a chance to preach at my dad's installation and ordination. Service and where was that? In Clinton, Wisconsin. Uh, down by uh, Janesville, Beloit, uh, just a little east of there, a little town in Clinton, Wisconsin. Uh, and he served there for about five years uh, and then retired. Um, and then, uh, so that would have been, yeah, that would have been about 2018. Uh, and then moved up to uh, Greenville, Wisconsin, where my sister and brother-in-law lived. Bought a house right around the corner uh, from them. Um, and very shortly thereafter, uh, Dad was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and it was everywhere. Spine, brain, lungs, the whole bit, uh, all through his lymph system. Um, they they discovered it because they found a grilled cheese-sized tumor in his gut. <laughs> Which, Is, was that the description that the surgeon y- gave? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the did, surgeon, your, did your father like that analogy? Yeah, he thought it was pretty funny. Um so he, anyway, so after the surgeon. I'm just trying to picture this. All right, so Doc, how big is this? And yep. the doc's saying, eh, it's yep. about like a grilled cheese. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he didn't never give us measurements, just told us it's about the size of a grilled cheese. Oh, my god. All right. So they, they found a, um, for years, right, he had been going to uh, a, a GI doc and, and having, like, tests done in his stomach for things that weren't quite right and, um, then they found this uh, gastrointestinal tumor, a GIT, that was about the size of a grilled cheese, uh, which they surgically removed. And in testing that tumor was when they discovered there's two kinds of cancer going on here. Oh, good gravy. Yeah. And so that's how they found then through a PET scan the the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is, is treatable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty aggressive. And so he went through... The treatment, that is. Well... And it, the cancer. Yeah, the cancer itself. His, his was pretty aggressive. Um, you know, th- when they catch this early, 
uh, it is it is not I wouldn't say curable, but ease you know they they are able to treat it and send it into remission and um, life expectancy is not bad um, when they when they can catch it early, uh, but dad's was everywhere, uh, and so you know we we worked with the oncologist and they said you know we're going to do a lot here uh, and and at this point. You know, five years is probably probably a good estimate. And this was when? Uh, about 2018. Um, okay. I think. I've been wrong on that. No, because, yeah, about 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. So I was living in La Crosse at the time, or West Salem at the time, and Dad was living in Greenville just outside of Appleton, uh, which again, if you're unfamiliar with Wisconsin geography, uh, La Crosse is over by the corner of Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And Appleton is, uh, if you go north of Milwaukee on the coast of the lake for about three hours and then turn turn left and head west for about in 40 minutes or so, you're in Appleton. Um, so I was almost weekly uh, driving from my side of the state to his side of the state, which is about three and a half hours, uh, and going with mom and dad to dad's chemo um, appointments. And there was a, a couple of week-long stints that dad spent in the hospital mm-hmm. because they were doing chemo radiation that was pretty intense on, you know, his spine. You know, we haven't we haven't talked about it. Yeah. I wonder if you mind the question. No, no. If, if it's not appropriate, or we can come back to it maybe another time. I'm curious, I, I'd forgotten... Or had not remembered hearing, yeah, that that was going on, and that you were along for the ride with him, yeah, for a good bit of that. How did that experience of it going to chemo and that stuff with him? Did that impact your pastoral care of others? Um, not much. Uh, and the only, only reason I can say that is, I. <laughs> Uh, as Jill likes to, Jill George is our principal here at St. Paul's, and she she likes to joke that uh, we're not allowed to call any other church workers until we do a full medical history on them, uh, because of me. Um, I I just have a laundry list of stuff that is broken or doesn't work, and I've been around hospitals and in hospitals as a patient a bunch, um, and so um, I'm not uncomfortable in pretty much any hospital situation um, and find that uh, when folks are in the hospital, the, the, for me, the most important thing is to be there. So, and that's interesting. So you, in part, because of your, your own personal history yeah. with, with health stuff, what I'm hearing from you is didn't find yourself phased much no. by your father's cancer treatment. Yeah, no. No, I mean this is this is <laughs> these bodies that God has given us. They they are infected with sin, mm-hmm. uh, and the the wage of sin is death. Uh, and and this since I was sixteen years old and first faced with my own mortality, uh, and then had to learn to live with a body that was fighting me every day, um, in that in that struggle for you know life, uh, I. There's not a lot. There's not a lot in in the hospital world or in the medical world that that really trips me up or puts me, as you might say, off my game. 
Sure. Um, so, you know, going to chemo with dad, we, we'd sit there and talk while he was hooked up to stuff and play cribbage or play gin. And, um, how did he take it? Um, kind of in stride. Okay. Um, you know, this would is, that have been typical for him or was um, it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, he, um, dad had, dad had his own medical challenges while I was growing up. Um, and he did his best to not make, not make them affect our life together. Um, <laughs> although <laughs> one, one of them, uh, was, uh, he, dad battled or suffered from pernicious anemia, which is, a. uh, along with other things is a B12 deficiency or a vitamin B deficiency, which um, if you've seen re- more recently, people use vitamins to supplement all kinds of things. And uh, vitamin B, that B12 complex vitamin is really uh, a bit of a mood stabilizer. Uh, now imagine being very deficient of that. Um, ah. Yeah. So d- we could tell when it was time for a shot. You know, monthly dad needed an injection of, of a vitamin B complex. So, yeah, taking oral supplements wasn't sufficient. He had to get a shot. Oh, yeah, okay. and, which mom did, which was a little scary. <laughs> Sorry if I'm telling on you, mom. Um, uh, you know, kind of like blindfoldedly throwing a dart at my dad's shoulder. That was not fun to watch, um, <laughs> which, of course, then when I become a diabetic and now I need injections all the time, I'm like, no, you, mom, are not coming near me with a needle. I will do this myself. Thank you. Um, so anyway, you know, dad would, he would get pretty grumpy toward the end of the month. And we, we could all kind of tell, all right, it's getting time, you know, tiptoe around dad a little bit. Uh, but, you know, he, he didn't complain. He just took it in stride. Um, and, and in fairness, uh, mom and dad weren't real open with us kids about what, physical struggles he was battling. Uh, and it wasn't until after dad was diagnosed with this, uh, you know, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that uh, my sister and I in, at the hospital uh, <laughs> sat down with my mom in the lobby as we, as we had been visiting dad and then we were leaving and some things had come to light that we didn't know. Um, you know, like they had been taking little tumors out of dad's stomach for years uh, but you know, that might be important for us to know as kids who have inherited his genes, maybe. Uh, so we had this little sit down, come to Jesus moment with mom where, uh, and I love you, mom, where we said, um, you know, we need to know now we're, we're not kids, we're grown adults, and it's important for us to be able to help care for you and dad, for us to know what's really going on. Um, so it's also important for us, by the way, as human beings and your children to w- be aware of what we probably have inherited yeah. so that our, we can be in communication with our doctors. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, right. So we have this conversation with mom and mom's like, well, you know, guys, we were just trying to protect you. And, uh, I remember looking at my mom very directly and saying, I understand that we're past that now. <laughs> there, there, there's no more of that now. Um, you know, where dad's at in this situation, there's, there is no more protecting us. We, we need to know. Uh, and, and that really, 
it really did change the way that mom shared information with us. Uh, and and in, I think in some ways it changed the way that she listened to what the doctors were saying because now she was listening so she could tell us, not just so that she could try to get her brain around it. Um, which so it sounds was, like you changed your, re- changed your relationship with your parents. It, indeed. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much, um, a little bit though. Right. And there are probably times when that's going to happen again in the future with mom. It certainly did with dad as he came out of, uh, the all. So all of this chemo and radiation that he went through, um, it, it had side effects. Um, he, he didn't have the memory that he once had. Uh, he wasn't as quick of a processor as he once was. Um, Dad was a, a pretty punny and witty, dry, sense of humor kind of guy. Uh, and we laughed a lot. Um, and that slowed way down after all of this chemo and radiation. And um, as the years went on uh, after that, he developed um, early, early onset Alzheimer's. Well, that's not what they labeled it. Uh, in fact, he was uh, at, at a hospital, doctoring at a hospital that kept wanting to run tests because they didn't exactly know what to diagnose him with. Was it was it early onset Alzheimer's? Was it frontal lobe dementia? Was it Parkinson's combined with some other things? Um, we just they, they just kept wanting to do tests, and finally, uh, we as a family just got to the point where it was like, look. We need some answers or we need to start treating uh, because he's not getting better. In fact, he's getting worse. Uh, we, and we try this drug and then we try that drug and, and the, the benefits of one drug um, would have its own side effects, but had, you know, it would have some benefits, but then it would have some side effects and then they would change drugs. And then we would get a real clear picture of, what benefits that first drug was having and what side effects that first drug was having, because now they would change. <laughs> um, and, and that became challenging. Uh, and then um, after a long time of trying to figure out what exactly was going on, uh, they changed doctors. They went to a neurologist that was much closer to home than the specialty hospital they were at um, that was wanting to be very specific in their diagnosis uh, and and he simply said, um, front some kind of frontal lobe dementia with Parkinson's, and that's what we're going to treat him for. Um, and so they did. Uh, and as all of this was going on, Dad's mobility kept changing, getting worse and worse. Um, his articulation um, kept getting worse and worse. Uh, words that he knew. Uh, like he would be holding a phone and he would say, well, my, my, um, my, uh, as he's like moving this phone around in his hand, trying to come up with the word phone. Right. Uh, But couldn't. Uh, and, and we started noticing that more and more. Um, and finally we, mom was at a point where she, she couldn't take care of him at home alone anymore. And we got some, some healthcare to come into the house a few hours a day to help give her relief. Um, that lasted a short while. And then it was too much for mom to handle him at night. Um, 
because his mobility was so limited and yep. he's not a he was not a small guy. <laughs> yep, big dude. You know, I mean 6'2" 250. I mean, he's not a small dude. Um and so in March then uh March 16th, uh we moved him into a memory care facility that was close to close to mom and dad's home. Um and he never left. I mean, he he would leave to go to the mall and go walk around, and um, there were other medical issues that made being out in public challenging too. Um, but you know, you you learn to deal with that, and away you go. How does it How does it feel, by the way, right now, talking about your dad? Um, light. Okay. What do you mean? Um, he's not dealing with it anymore. Yeah. He, he, he is in the peace of Christ and waiting with joy for the resurrection of the body and for all those ailments that he battled with, uh, in his, in his last few years to, to be made well, um, and and to be restored, right? Uh, and, and to, so you're not feeling a great burden of loss. No. No. Uh, but if, but there's a hole there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a piece that's missing because dad's not here. Um, I mean, for, for what it's, for what it's worth and for our listeners, because part of the, part of the reason we're doing this is you, know, you and I work right next to each other. Your dad died. All up in each other's you business. Know, I mean, yeah. you know, so then, you know, I lost my father when yeah. I was when I was young. We both lost our fathers, and it just it seemed like a wise thing to do, as a to talk about the process of grief from your perspective, and you know that we'd talk, and that might be help potentially helpful for some others to hear the perspective of one person as they we periodic markers as we walk yeah, through as grief. we navigate the the new normal. Now, for again, for our listeners, what I would have what I would have you notice is, I asked my friend here a question about his dad, and he didn't stop for about ten minutes. <laughs> I like to talk too and tell well, stories, but, but 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 this is processing, right? This is grieving. This is this is a part of. Um, Rejoicing in the gifts that God has given and not, not thinking light of them, but also not dwelling on the, the brokenness of this creation, but rejoicing in the promise that God has made to redeem it, right? That resurrection is coming. We confess this every week in the creed, right? I believe in the forgiveness of sins. The resurrection. the resurrection of the body and the and life, then the life everlasting, yeah. right? So, how does it feel to talk about dad and and his uh, his trial? Um, last Sunday, uh, the hymn of the day was hymn seven twenty eight. Last Sunday was just uh, to put the date, put dates on it. F- Sunday, February the fifth, the fifth Sunday of Epiphany. Um, the That's hymn of 2023. Thank you. So the, the hymn of the day was how firm a foundation, uh, 728, uh, verses four and five. Uh, so I was preaching and I, I, this stuck out because, 
uh, as we've said before, there are some times when a verse of a hymn out of nowhere just, and I'm a bucket, right? So I'm, pre- I'm preparing to preach. So I'm praying as I'm singing. And I get to verse four, uh, when through fiery trials, your pathway will lie. My grace, all sufficient will be your supply. The flames will not hurt you. I only design your dross to consume and your gold to refine. Then verse 5. Throughout all their lifetime, my people will prove my sovereign, eternal, unchangeable love. Boy, Dad changed in the last few years. Mm -hmm. But God's grace, God's love did not. Mm -hmm. And then, when gray hairs will their temples adorn... Like lambs, they will still in my bosom be born. And I was going to stand up and talk about being the, the, the salt and the light and, and letting the light of Christ shine in you as people see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And in that moment, all I'm thinking is, yeah, Dad had gray hair on his temples. Mm-hmm. And like a lamb. He is now held in the arms of Christ and waiting for the promised resurrection. Folks, what just happened there is a very prominent exhibit of why you should come to worship in the midst of your grief. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is often in in the Lord's song. Mm-hmm where the poetry of God's word is set to music, where something touches us. Yeah, something happens, like uh, Psalm 145. Then we should probably get ready to close this, just because I could go on and on and on. Psalm 145, uh, starting at verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. That's a good place for us to say. Thanks for joining us at Christ in all things. And let's talk more about grieving with hope as time goes by. Come join us. For show notes and other information about this or other episodes of Christ in All Things, visit ChristInAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at ChristInAllThings.org. To support Christ in All Things, click the donate page at either ChristinAllThings.org or SPLCO.org. In thanks for a one-time gift of $100 or more, you receive a pair of nerdy blue light blocking glasses with the Christ in All Things logo on them. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. Patrons who subscribe for a monthly gift of $20 or more will have early access to the show and receive some on-air clapping as well as a pair of Wisconsin-made Christ in All Things hiking socks. Gifts of $1,000 or more will receive thunderous on-air clapping (laughs) and a word of thanks, plus a handmade leather Christ in All Things folio by the Murdy Creative Company. For a gift of $10,000 or more, we will go bleepin' bananas. 
do a happy dance, and take the show on the road to your home or wherever it is you'd like to fly us to record with you. All post-production surplus supports Youth Ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or call us at 262-567-5001. Intro, outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl, copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.